following is a vintage broadcasting publication presented by Frank Goss. The following podcast is entitled Dewey's Dumbing Down of the American Children. This series is concentrated on the state of public education in the United States of America. This is updated information from 2020 and 2021 regarding the National Education Association. Former Executive Director John Stocks at the NEA Annual Convention ranted to the crowd about the insidious entitlements of white privilege and the evils of income inequality. A lot of people saw this as almost a comedic effort by the man, and it was truly laughable when they would consider that he was arguing about being paid $505,288 annually. The guy was getting roughly $40,000 or more a month. This was 10 times higher than the average teacher sitting in that convention. He also began screaming about how we as a nation, as teachers and educators, are in a movement moment. Well, that was a few years ago. Also, another notable individual who has received the NEA Social Justice Award was one fellow named Jose Lara. He's the dean at Los Angeles' United Sante Education Center, and he was a member of the United Teachers Association of Los Angeles. He was a member of the board there. The award honors the union member who demonstrates the ability to lead organize and engage educators, parents, and the community to advocate on social justice issues that impact the lives of the students, fellow educators, and the communities they serve. In other words, Jose Lara was a political activist who was very active. Now, let's give a minute to understand a bit about what these guys mean when they talk about social justice. Jose Lara was pushing the public in his area from the position of the educational board for social justice. Now, this is a concept that finds its origin with Vladimir Lenin's administration. He came into office preaching that he was going to bring social justice to the people. And I'm taking this definition out of the Urban Dictionary that I found online. Social justice is a utopian fantasy that's based on the Leninist concept of equality of outcome, equity, it's the same concept held and promoted by Joe Biden, who was used as, as a major campaign theme in 2020. It says that since you, the one who's listening to me now, since you have more than the average guy, what you have must be taken away from you and given to those who have less so that those who have less are brought up to the same level as you, the one who has more. This brings about equality. It's referred to in Marxist terminology, again, as equity. And this is what Biden is preaching from his bully pulpit at the White House. So, you may not have realized that you actually have a great deal in common with the petty common thief who holds a gun on you demanding all your money. You're actually helping to equalize him, to bring him up to a level of equity. You're helping achieve a social justice. And this is how the left is looking at these things. This is why you see Antifa and Black Lives Matter roaming the road, stealing, robbing, burning, doing whatever they need to do because they are literally bringing about, in the mind of the Marxist, a social justice and equity. The oppressive authority of the police and the inequity found written in the law is nothing more than expressed desire of the white supremacists who seek to maintain a great disparity in equality. 
By the way, this inequity is incredibly biased towards the people of color. There are no white people who experience oppression. There are no poor white people or oppressed white people. Only those of color can understand what oppression is all about. Notice that this idea of social justice never applies to rulers, meaning any person in position of political authority. For some reason, they're exempt from social justice policies. For example, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris can lecture us on the systemic social injustice that has been bred into each white man in America while they eat Thanksgiving turkey with billionaires in Nantucket. Michelle Obama, in her quest to free the oppressed people of America, the America that she is ashamed of, can wear a $12,000 dress to a social while her subjects, the oppressed people, rummage through dumpsters searching for something to eat. Social injustice only applies to the serfs, the lowlifes, who work in order to pay taxes. How did Hillary put it? You know, to just be grossly generalistic, you could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> right? Racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are people like that. And he has lifted them up. They're offensive, hateful, mean-spirited, rhetoric. Now some of those folks, they are irredeemable, but thankfully they are not American. The economy has let them down. Nobody cares about them. Nobody worries about what happens to their lives and their futures. And they're just desperate for change. It doesn't really even matter where it comes from. He seems to hold out some hope that their lives will be different, that they won't wake up and see their jobs disappear, lose a kid to heroin, feel like they're in a dead end. This is what Hillary Clinton said. And he, Donald Trump, was lifting them up and giving them hope. The elites cannot have that. We all have our place. We have our own lanes to run in. And what Biden and Harris and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, what the Marxist Democrats are trying desperately to teach us is that we simply need to stay in our lane. We need to stay where we belong. If we could incorporate this into our understanding, we would finally have social justice for one and all. We'd be one step closer to utopia. However, this is one of the nagging questions that must be answered. In order for social justice to exist, there has to be ruling class to mete out that justice, right? Yet, if sound reasoning is applied, and if sound reasoning holds true, if there is an elite ruling class then there is no social justice. This dismantles the entire concept of equity or equality. So the Marxist concept of social justice always collapses in upon itself. The sad thing is that the churches of our day are embracing this concept heartily. Many of the large denominations in America are fighting alongside with these guys for social justice and equity. Social justice is generally supported by Marxist ideology. It's pushed and not as a means of calming and helping the public, but as a means of creating tremendous division. 
the black people the Democrats claim to help may not realize this. They're poorer now and more dependent upon the government as a people, as a culture, than they ever have been before. So much for Marxism and so much for the revolution. If we could only see. Social justice is often used by power-hungry despots to fool voters into surrendering their rights and liberties in exchange for their empty promises of free stuff while lining the pockets of the ruling class with stolen wealth of the people. I've said it before, and it bears repeating. When corporate entities merge with the government, you have fascism. In the past few years, a lot of people have been throwing around the idea of what fascism is. And they've been calling the Republicans, the conservative fascists. And if you notice who's doing the accusation, it's the fascists. It's the Marxist Democrats. They're the ones assigning the name fascism to the American effort, to what has been considered a constitutional republic. They're calling all conservatives fascists, bigots, racists, xenophobes, deplorables, right? But let's explain a bit what fascism is. And I know this might extend our study here, but I want to look at it so that we can understand it. Fascism, the idea is all about uniting for a common cause, right? It's bringing all the people together for a common cause in a collective struggle. I mean, this is the idea behind fascism. In order for the country to succeed in this struggle of coming together, it needs everybody to get involved. And that means that individuals may have to accept tough times. It also means that everybody has to obey the state. Everybody has to wear the mask. Everybody has to get the jab or face the consequences of the law. Why? Because it's for the good of the collective. Corporations and the government have to come together to work towards this end. There's no space for dissent or challenge. So we look at what fascism means, and we need to understand exactly what it means. To inspire people to sign up to this vision and this struggle often requires a very charismatic leader that people believe. We had that a few years ago uh, in Barack Obama. He carried the nation into elections, and he did his best to push us towards his desire of fascism, socialism. He referred to the glorious past, whether it was real or exaggerated or just made up. But Obama referred to the past in glowing terms, but he said there's often a common enemy that we have to face. And you have to create an enemy in order to bring about a sense of unity. We're fighting against something, and it can be race or religion or any other factor. Today, obviously, it's racism. That's the big one. So we've got to tear down the past, tear down the statues, tear down the history, tear down our heroes, our national heroes, and attempt to start over in a model for the party. So we've become a democracy, no longer a constitutional republic in the minds of the Marxist Democrats. This is what forms a fascist state. Fascism believes that humans are not rational beings. They're subject to various drives and natural responses. They believe in what's called historical materialism, which was Marx's basis of fate. So we start looking at these things and understanding exactly what it is. You may be surprised. It's a system of government based on rational ideas that cannot lead to success, period. It won't work. And that is fascism in its simplest form. Today, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris are bowing low before Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, Larry Page, and Sergey Brin. The American people are being railroaded, mocked, and pillaged at the hand of the present administration in Washington and the deep state. They preach peace, and they preach the need for social justice. But they bring nothing but bondage, inflation, taxation, shortages. Hugo Chavez promised social justice 
to the people of Venezuela back in 1998. Prior to this, Venezuela was a member of the OPEC states and had done extremely well financially. Today, not even 20 years have passed, and the people who were in need of social justice can't even afford to buy or find toilet paper. Meanwhile, former President Aristobulo Isteres had over $9.6 million in a Swiss bank account. At least Chavez's daughters still get to celebrate in the presidential party palace, though. In 2010, the Obama-Biden administration promised to all Americans affordable health care for all. And if you have a doctor, you can keep him. If you have a policy, you can keep it. That's what we were told we were promised. Now, through the lies and the conniving of a man named Jonathan Gruber, who openly confessed that he relied on the stupidity of the American voter, Obama managed to force upon the American taxpayer Obamacare, or what they wanted to call the Affordable Care Act. It destroyed the insurance industry in America, and many millions of people lost their coverage. And now, thanks to the social justice warriors who sat in the White House, we, the American people, have less coverage that cost far, far more than previous. And I can't help but mention again the $12,000 dress that Michelle Obama wears as people struggle with their hospital bills. This is the Marxist version of social justice in application. These things are happening today. And the people running the National Education Association are fully in line with this way of thinking. And they are indoctrinating your children to think this way. These are the people who tell your kids what they have to learn. These are the people who tell your kids' teachers what they have to teach. And if they fail to do so, they will fail to be teachers. Now, let's return to our consideration of Jose Lara, the NEA recipient of the Social Justice Award. A few years back, Jose Lara, then a classroom teacher, took his students to the state of Arizona on a field trip to protest the state's new immigration law. He took his students to practice political activism. In a YouTube video, Lara is seen standing in front of a wall-to-wall mural featuring a who's who of murderous revolutionaries, including Ho Chi Minh, Fidel Castro, and Che Guevara, while proudly displaying the motto, Patria o Muerto, Vencerimos, Fatherland or Death, We Shall Overcome. Isn't that amazing? Don't you want all of your children to learn these things? Laura's radical activities had been well documented since then. He led a successful charge to get ethnic study classes added to USD's graduation requirements, beginning with the class of 2019. This move will serve to resegregate schools, with each ethnic group within the school separating itself from the general population, which means basically you're going to group up according to the color of your skin. Now that is pure racism. At a time that we desperately need to become more united as a people, ethnic study classes will further balkanize us. But hey, the target is determined and the desire is fixed. The NEA has fixed their decision. Biden and Harris, Obama and others, they know exactly what they want. And the question really comes down to this. Do you know what they want? It's really much worse than just ethnic studies. Laura's brand comes with radical hate America 
class warfare agendas. In his five-minute acceptance speech for the NEA Award, he made his thoughts known. He talked about fighting for the most vulnerable and oppressed in our community and that the culture has been guilty of institutional racism by keeping students from learning their own history. In other words, the government is suppressing the idea of teaching critical race theory. Left in the hands of Jose Lara and his ilk, ethnic studies will become pure Alinsky studies. A never-ending barrage of revolutionary anti-American bashing screeds serving only to keep us in a race war, ethnicity, and class ghettos, and keeping the turmoil in society alive. It's teaching like this that is promoted and supported by the National Education Association. It's teaching like this that keeps the rank and file of Antifa and Black Lives Matters replenished. That the NEA champions this type of indoctrination is reprehensible. That we sit by and allow this type of indoctrination to take place is even worse. That we're unaware and uncaring, again, shows our gross indifference regarding the educational structure in the United States. John Stocks, who is praised by the Obama administration and referred to as one of the smartest political operatives in the country by Jim Messina, Obama's campaign manager, John Stocks applauded the Occupy Socialists and the Laura-type revolutionaries. But he's gone now. Today, in this place, we have Becky Pringle, who is referred to as a fierce social justice warrior. She directed NEA's work to combat institutional racism and spotlight systemic patterns of racism and educational injustice that impact students. Under Becky's guidance, the National Education Association works to widen access and opportunity by de demanding changes to policies, programs, and practices within the public school arena. Becky served with distinction on President Barack Obama's Commission on Educational Excellence for African Americans. Today, she's pushing for a better understanding regarding America's legacy of racism. We simply need to understand how racist a nation we truly are. She's a strong advocate for the instruction of critical race theory and refers to any resistance towards this as an attempt to censure teachers from addressing race and racism. Pringle said that efforts to restrict the teaching of systemic racism is senseless fear-mongering. She also stated that we need to dismantle the institutional racism in our schools that is denying access and opportunity for too many students. We do not support the National Education Association. My wife and I. My children are fully aware of the indoctrination that occurs behind the doors of the public schools. Their children will never see the darkened halls of the schools in our area. We're opposed to what the Marxist ideas promote. We have studied these ideas, and we know what we believe, and we know what they teach. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, said that we need to gird up the loins of our mind, not with racist opinions and social justice. He says we need to keep our thinking clear and intact, and we need to be alert. This is contrary to being mentally lazy, you see. And this is not a suggestion he made. It's a directive, a principle. It's a command. He goes on to say that along with strengthening our minds, we need to fix our hope not on a race-free society, but on the grace that is going to be revealed at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ is our hope. But yet, again, within the school system, we're not allowed to mention that, are we? 
The utopia Marxists aim for does not exist. It never has, and it never will. It is, at best, a surreal hope that has no basis and no foundation. The word itself finds its origin in the Greek. It literally means nowhere. Somehow the word has been twisted and redefined to mean a good place. This is a twist that, again, is not allowed. Not grammatically. But that doesn't matter. No place is the ideal of the Marxist. Even the Garden of Eden had the devil lurking around. There's no place that's absolutely perfect. Not here on this earth. For Thomas More, utopia was a place of his own invention. It's a place that we dream about. But nonetheless, a place that does not exist outside of Thomas More's book. It's out of reach. It's unattainable. It's unimaginable. Christians don't hope for utopia. They have a confident expectation and a firm assurance of things that are unclear and unknown. This confidence is a fundamental component of the life of the righteous. We hope in Christ, while those who do not place their hope in Christ are said to be without hope. The hope that possesses the Christian produces joy and peace and leads one to live a life worthy, pleasing the one who provided such hope. We love because we were loved, and we give because we've been given, and we give freely. Socialism is a system of appeasement. Under Marxism, we seek to appease our rulers, the state, and our fear is of retribution if we fail to do so. Historically, this retribution has been applied through various means. Death, imprisonment, financial reprisals, isolation, shunning, and cancellation. Churchill rightly said, An appeaser is somebody who feeds a crocodile hoping that it will eat him last. The National Education Association of 2021 is the crocodile. The teachers are the appeasers. The students are the fodder. But you and I fund their efforts. And now I hope that we're understanding a little better why little Johnny cannot read. It's not by accident. Frank Doss with Vintage Broadcasting. We do appreciate your participation in listening to our broadcast. We hope that it benefits you in some way and that you'll continue listening in the days to come.